and welcome to Food to Go, the monthly podcast brought to you by the New Food team. I'm Bethan Grills, editor of New Food, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and assistant editor and friend, Joshua Minton. Oh, my Beth, what a lovely introduction. You're not that kind. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> Usually it's a, a bit of stick Friday during the intro, but yeah, very, very lovely with you on this Friday morning. Oh, well, it's, you know, my pleasure. I appreciate you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> We're also joined this morning live, ooh, by two guests. That's, you know, a change. Normally we, we, uh, pre-record our interviews yeah we said it do so it's lovely to uh like you say two people live and direct uh join the podcast today lovely but also dangerous <laughs> yes yes exactly joining us this morning is rabia hussein and janai clark good morning to you both of you good morning morning <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there the you guys it is freshers week isn't it and for students it's quite early <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, I won't tease you too much about it. We'll move on. Can we start by having, you know, a little bit more detail about Right to Food, the campaign that you guys are running and, you know, how you became Young Food Ambassadors? We we do a lot of things from like meeting politicians. We do local campaigns as well speaking to the media and we've even got our own podcast series with a lovely woman called Jilly Smith and um, I love that podcast because it actually gives us the chance to talk about things directly going on in our community or things that we want to focus on but yeah we've also worked with Marcus Rashford and Emma Thompson on the podcast as well but pretty much the campaign is just enabling young people and children to be able to afford a decent meal and, well, a decent diet. But yeah, there's around 20 of us across the UK and we have specific things that we want to campaign for. That's so wonderful. I mean, you're so young, you're still at university. How did you even... When I was at university, I was <laughs> definitely not this productive. How did you guys even get into this, you know? Well, it started just after school. Rabia and I signed up for this um this scheme run by the government and we had someone come in to talk about food insecurity and food poverty. And then when we actually learnt about it, learnt what it was, learnt how many people were suffering, Rabia and I, something just clicked in our brains. We were just like, wait a minute. Swear down we've seen this before and we're just like, no, it's not right. And we've both had we've both seen it. So we're just like, no, it's not right. So we've got to do something about it. And the fact that we can actively make change is something that we really are happy about. So yeah, that's how we kind of got involved. Absolutely. And as Beth said, you're you're both both still young, both at university. You mentioned Sir Marcus Rashford as well. He's obviously not that old, probably mid twenties. Why are young people best placed to lead on this issue? We hear a lot from politicians in Westminster, but why do you think young people are in the best position to lead on food insecurity and food poverty? Um, I think it's because it is direct. It is obviously affecting adults as well, but it's like directly affecting us because when we're at school or you're at college or you're in your apprenticeship or whatever, um, it has an effect on you. 
So it's just like it plays, it weaves into all aspects of your life. So who better to talk about it than people that are actually suffering from it? So yeah, I think young people are really the most qualified people to go out there and act- actively make change because it's their future they want to change. So I'll, I'll, I'll chuck in a hand grenade for you both to deal with early on in the podcast, we're only five minutes in, but do you think that politicians are too far removed to deal with the issue of food insecurity and food poverty? I do believe there are some politicians, not all, that are quite disconnected from the issue. They tend to more so turn a blind eye towards it and push the narrative that there are more serious situations going on that need their attention or that need um, publicity and stuff like that. But if you can't fix a small, well, not really a small, it's actually quite a large issue in the UK. If you can't fix that first, how on earth are you going to try to fix something that is more mm-hmm. globalised or a larger sort of campaign? So I do, I do believe that some politicians are very disconnected from the issue of trying to fix food poverty. And I think it's kind of them living in a state of denial as well, that they don't want to accept the fact that there are people in the UK who are living with food poverty, especially to say it's the, is it the third, third economic, economically developed country in the world? I think it's the fifth. Oh, it's the up fifth. there. Either way, it's up there. You're right. Let's talk about what kind of impact that access to food or, or, you know, limited access to food can have on education. You know, we've heard, we've had, you know, reports saying that it certainly does have a negative impact. Why is that? Well, I just think if you're not getting enough food or enough right food, good food, you're not going to feel good. And especially when you're hungry, it's, all you can really think about is food that sounds really bad but it is true mm-hmm. because loads of kids like just being a food ambassador and hearing loads of stories from loads of other young people and you you, you see them going to school without having breakfast or getting breakfast and then not getting lunch because they can't afford it and you can see how it just plays on their mind mentally because I cannot I can I can imagine that we've all been hungry at one point and all we can think about is food so when you're at school or college or wherever you're not focused on learning a b c and d you're more focused on okay when am I going to get my next meal is it going to be enough and it's always at the back of your mind mm. and it's always something people feel self-conscious about as well and yeah. just to bounce off of that as well, like for me, I was quite an angry child. So <laughs> eating used to affect that even more. Um, well, lack of eating. And so I'd, I'd be distracted and then I'd get yelled at by teachers for being distracted. And of course, I wouldn't just outright come and say, well, I'm hungry. That's why I'm not paying attention. I'd just retaliate more. I'd retaliate with attitude or with not being a very nice child but then later on in life I actually realized that it wasn't me just being horrible and bratty it was the fact that I was already upset in a way that I was getting angry because I couldn't eat and then when I was getting yelled at I turned that into more anger Mm. so for some people it 
can develop into other sorts of emotions. For some people, it's anxieties. For some people, it's anger issues. For some people, it can be that bad until it leads up, up to a... Um, in, a, in the worst way, it can almost get a turn into a eating disorder for some people because they become so used to like not getting through the day without not eating that they think, okay, I can just do this all day. And especially with social media impact, you know, if you're not that skinny, cute girl, you're not going nowhere. So I feel like a lot of young people, they become accustomed to that. And it does affect a lot, affect their mental health a lot. That's so much for a child to to take. No one should have to go through that. There's certainly a stigma. So something that you you said, you know, you, you know, as a child, you weren't going to say to your teacher, well, the reason, you know, I'm not listening is because I'm hungry. There is a stigma around food insecurity. And, a, and, a, and a sh- I think, you know, some people do feel kind of a shame and they shouldn't. And there's an interesting point here that I want to, to segue into, which is about the, you know, free school meals and around that that name because there is word out that it might get changed to something like a meal allowance do you think that that would be a good idea and that would encourage more people to I mean is there an issue with with children kind of getting bullied because they because they need free school meals yeah, I just left school in 2018 so it feels like a lifetime ago but it wasn't <laughs> and you could just see it like I could I can I can distinctly remember people um making fun of one person because they had free school meals but the way that some schools do it it is kind of embarrassing because it others them it singles them out because I remember when we went on school trips if you had a free school meal you'll get called up to the front have to walk past all your peers and then go to get your lunch and it's just like well why should I be treated that different just because my parents a little bit less or I'm not in a good financial place at the moment? So, yeah, there is a massive stigma around it. And I think just maybe making it a bit more subtle would improve it a lot, like changing the name or like not making it as mm. in your face. Because as a young person, you kind of just want to just fit in. So, yeah, the fact that it's like the school making it othering you is something that needs to change well i read the uh yeah. right to food charter and i saw that one of the points was making it anonymous who was on free school meals i i must admit i just thought that was standard at my school we had plenty of children on free school meals but i don't know who they were like you would never know and maybe my school dealt with it in a, in a better way but i just could not believe that, that wasn't just standard practice that it's anonymous who's on sort of meal allowances or free school meals because as you say it just singles people out yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, I, I can remember people. I can, I can remember the faces of people who were um, on free school meals, and I could not tell you their name, um, how old they were, but I, I just knew they were on free school meal. That's terrible. Um, the other point I wanted to bring up that I read in the charts, and I thought it was a really, really interesting term. It mentions poverty-proofing schools. What does that mean in relation to food? How how do you poverty proof um, a school? Does that mean that um, there's free drinking water available and you can't sell bottled water? Um, does it mean access to fruit and veg? How how do you poverty proof um, the UK schools? There's actually a lot of things that can be done. For example, rethinking how free school meals are actually delivered. 
in a lot of schools it's like we've just spoken about it's not anonymous who receives them so yeah children are bullied um because they're seen as poor or just because of the way that they receive them it does put this label around them which is increases their chances of being bullied it also leads them to make it leads to making them feel ashamed and it's really bad for a child's self-esteem so i think that's more so the reason why we want it to be child proofed but other things like you just mentioned as well having um free water available at schools it should already be happening it is the law but some schools don't have it and also making children who already don't have enough money for schools pay for a bottle of water it's not helping the cycle that's continuously happening of children who can't even afford to buy a water bottle to have water when they can when there should be free water supplies available whether it's a water fountain with cups supplied or bottles of water out for young people to just grab and go but that's what we're aiming for that's what we kind of mean that's uh, so fantastic i am in such awe of both of you and i cannot believe that children do not have access to free water it just absolutely disgusts me that you know that you'd have to pay for a a bottle of water I want to talk about food tech classes because there there, normally there's so when you know with the food tech classes you will be expected to bring in ingredients does lower income impact this because I'm, I'm you know I'm assuming that if you don't have the income, then how, you know, you're not going to be able to afford the ingredients for such classes. Are there any kind of areas of education that lower income does influence, such as food tech? Yeah, there is, because I remember, like, especially in, like, year seven, year eight, when it was mandatory, it was just like, oh, I've got to buy this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And it's just like, well can't afford this can't afford this it's just like you have to if you don't have money to just basically feed your family on a on a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis how can they expect um, parents or carers or whoever to then spend this extra money on ingredients which they can't really afford because it's already a struggle to get food in the house on a day-to-day basis so it's just honestly it just blows my mind and then again like Rabbi was saying you don't want to go out and say oh I can't afford this and da 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 so what do you do for me like sorry to take over tonight but like for me it was like I hated food tech because (laughs) one I didn't enjoy what we were doing because it meant I had to spend money on the ingredients well not me but like my parents would and then as well because it wasn't something I enjoyed eating because I enjoy my cultural food I like stuff with seasoning and that was never what was being made in high school (laughs) so I thought I just used to get frustrated because it was I was cooking something that I wasn't going to enjoy and then I was buying ingredients that I wasn't going to use again because it was only for this specific meal when I knew that I wasn't going to enjoy it so I've wasted so much of my money and resources so 
in the end, I kind of just turned around and used to say, oh, I forgot to buy the ingredients. And that way you'd end up being sent to another room and doing another lesson because you, you didn't have the ingredients. Mm. I suppose so, when you've got to go and ask your parents for money as well, knowing that you might be in a tight space, you kind of feel a bit guilty because mm. it's just like, well, it's in my curriculum, I have to do it. But then you don't want to go and then buy, like, just spend money to eat something that you're not sure you're going to eat again. Mm. So it's just like you kind of stuck between a brick wall and a hard place because you don't want to go off in, into a classroom and do written work by yourself. You also don't want to put your parents in, like, a, situ- um, a harder situation than it is. So that's kind of hard for young people to go through as well. I mean, what's the solution here? Because obviously food tech is... It's, it's good to learn, although I totally agree with you that my school as well, that, that some of the really bizarre dishes, we didn't even have a food tech teacher. It was taught by English. Oh, uh, English teacher. <laughs> we couldn't cook. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was not brave enough to say it as a kid, but I say it now. You can't cook. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was always really obscure things. It wasn't something that I would... I would use that. None of what I, I learned in food tech as a kid do I, I ever use now as an adult. Um, but, you know, so food tech is, it would be useful for actually taught us, you know, skills that we would use in life. But also it's difficult because if you can't in- afford the ingredients, then you shouldn't, first of all, you shouldn't have that, you know, be put under that pressure. And, and, and second of all, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be singled out because that can as you said you know children they want to fit in particularly as as a teenager um so what's the solution here i feel like the biggest solution is honestly so my my mum and dad can pretty much cook or whip up something from whatever's left in the fridge cupboards and whatnot so I feel like schools should kind of adapt to something like that because you need to think of children who are also coming from lesser income backgrounds. So if they've only got, I don't know, a can of beans, a potato left, teach them how to make a jacket potato. Really simple, but it's a meal at the end of the day. And even if you want to teach them more advanced meals, you can do that. But if you're also expecting them to bring in the food you need to be aware of the students backgrounds so I've worked with children both me and I have we've always had to know the child's backgrounds if they've got any medical history if they are struggling in any sort of way mentally physically we always have to know that so as a teacher I think you need to know that especially when it comes to food tech because if you're asking them to go out and buy ingredients and they simply can't afford it they're not going to come come and tell you I can't afford it. Like me, as a child, I retaliated and got mad because for me, it was a pride and honour thing. I didn't want to turn around and say, I can't afford something. Instead, I'd be like, oh, I forgot, I'm not doing it. And of course, that it comes off quite obnoxious. But as a child, that was my coping mechanism instead of feeling ashamed of the fact that I couldn't afford food. So if they can, I think they need to have in place something that will provide for children. So like a school floor or allowance for children who can't afford it within food tech. 
I think you're absolutely right. And and that that would be a really good skill, actually, is whipping something up from what you've got left is a skill that I think everyone needs from any income. Everyone is faced on like a, an evening where you think, oh, we're not going to shop here, what have we got left? Rather than just buying something in that's usually unhealthy, it would be a skill to go, right, I've got this, 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 this is what I can do. Let's learn that in food tech rather than just making endless apple turnovers or pasty, pa- uh, pasties, which is my experience. Just to go in a slightly different direction, Clearly, food insecurity, as in not having enough food to eat, is a massive problem. But there's also the problem of not having enough healthy food to eat. Because malnutrition can actually be, you've got plenty of food to eat, but it's the wrong food. Do you think the ability to buy healthy food depends on income as well? Yeah. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Have you never seen, like, you walk into a grocery store, a bag of lettuce, let's say, or some rocket lettuce, is going to be around... A pound or two, but then you go to the crisp aisle, you can get three packets for a pound. Yep. That's so just a very small it? example. So yeah. imagine trying to buy an entire healthy meal. Or let's say, okay, so I now batch cook. So when I batch cook, I try to put in healthier meals. But even then, when I'm doing that first weekly shop of everything that I want to batch cook, it can easily, just for me, it can easily come up to around £50. Where if I'm doing more of a frozen food sort of shop, it can come up to around £20. Yeah. People, especially parents, they're not, I don't want to say they're not concerned what the child eat, what their child is eating because they are, but I think they're more happy with the fact that their child is eating. So they're getting some form of food because a healthy meal is going to cost way 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 more than frozen chips and chicken nuggets which probably will last longer and yeah will create more more meals for them in the future so when people are saying oh you're not getting your five a day but it's just like i can't afford to eat five fruits a day I'm not gonna have any money because and obesity is a massive issue in England as well but it's just like the good foods that we should be eating are not like widely available to everyone so it's kind of like just a circle really. Do you think the issue is because our fruit and vegetables in this country are subsidized by by government and i we do represent the food industry, we write for the food industry. I think the food industry does quite a good job of making nutritious, healthy food, i.e. fruit and vegetables cheap. But I do completely agree with you that I think it comes down to education, because if the education is not there, you're absolutely spot on. You can buy a whole lettuce for 50p, but you can also buy a frozen pizza for 30p. And if you're in a tight spot, I know what I would, I know what I would choose. So do you think the issue is education, or do you think the food industry needs to do more to provide healthier food for people of all incomes. Yeah, no, definitely a bit of both. The UK is quite good at having cheap, healthy food, but it's still not cheaper than the, like, pretty much, like like you said, a frozen pizza. It's never going to be cheaper than that. And a frozen pizza is a whole meal, whereas the lettuce is, like, what you put in a burger or you have it as a side. It's not even a whole salad. It's just part of a salad. So I think, I don't know, there's a lot to do with it. Yes, education, I feel like, is the biggest part because balancing off what Janai said about a parent just being happy if they see their child eating because kids, they can be really fussy when they eat. And 
it's harder and it's more effort to try and make your child eat healthy food than it is to put chicken nuggets and chips in front of them and they'll happily eat it. I think education in the sense that parents need to kind of unlearn the quick ways of things and learn how to actually get them in with healthy food from the beginning. But also, I feel, I don't feel it's okay for me to say that when I know for a fact a lot of parents are struggling, so they have to go with that option instead of giving, giving them healthier food. So I think, like I said, a bit of both. Government help out with lowering the prices of healthier food or, you know, raising the awareness and increasing the education around healthy food and how to supply it into all meals. Because you can get regular meals like a pizza, but make it really healthy. On the flip side of that, we've seen government policy go the other way in recent months and years. So we've had the sugar tax, the sugar levy on soft drinks in place for quite a while. The government's recently passed the HFSS, high-fat sugar and salt um, advertising ban recently. They've banned multi-buys on unhealthy food, so you can't get like four bars of chocolate for the price of three anymore. Is that a step in the right direction, or are we just punishing people that are struggling and can't afford, like you said, can't afford to, to, to choose the right food? Are we just punishing people, or are we making unhealthy foods not an option anymore? That is actually a really good question. I do think it is a step in the right direction because at the end of the day, you're getting, you're trying to get people to eat healthier. I do see the point in punishing people from lower class families. Okay, my opinion, definitely a step in the right direction because at the end of the day, it's not like they're not making it available. They're simply stopping the advertisement of it. But if you're still going to a supermarket, you can still buy these things. So I don't think it's necessarily a punishment, although it could be seen as it, because, yeah, like stopping advertisement, how are they ever going to know about it? But I would more so say that it's a step in the right direction simply because we, we've we personally been asking the government to stop fast, well, lessen fast food advertisements and, well, increase the tax, uh, lessen the sugars and stuff. Because we know kind of how it is. Because as much as it might be seen as a punishment, as a child living in that um, cycle, so for me it was, I don't want to eat unhealthy food because I was already insecure about my body weight. But because I'm stuck in this cycle, I couldn't get anything other than unhealthy food, really. The majority of my food palette and my plate was always unhealthy foods. So for a child or even as a parent or a person in that cycle, that's your punishment alone. So I think advertising, uh, banning the advertisement and seeing that kind of gives you a new sense of hope to see that, okay, that's that's gone. Let's try this. So what are the biggest things the food industry can do to ensure all children around the world have access to nutritious food? So when we went to this thing called Valley Fest, we had the chance to actually speak with farmers from the UK and farmers around the globe. And we pretty much, the whole thing that we gathered from it was the fact that the UK was getting imported stuff when we have perfectly good farmers here, which basically knocks out the fact that we have our own supply of things and we're taking it from another country, which we seem to continuously be doing. 
So if we can start taking from our own farmers and work out a trade between our own UK farmers, that's more beneficial for the UK involving everybody. And then globally, so let's take, I don't know, America, for example. America will have its own farmers. America will have its own trade supplies within America. And that all contributes to the fact that you're looking for a better supply of food and produce for young people and for people in general. So uh, targeting towards young people, especially in America, I think we all know that these sizes of fast food things are two times the size of the UK. So a small, a small is non-existent in America. Our large is their small, I think. I think that's how the ratio works. If we're targeted here in the UK by fast food, young people in America are also going to be targeted by fast food. So I think the concepts that we adapt to and we change throughout bills and laws and whatnot also need to be adapted and changed in an American standard where they can sort of ban that from being pushed in young people's faces. And again, stuff like vouchers, how we get it here. I don't know how the American... Uh, what's it called education system works but I'm sure obviously they've got schools and whatnot they can give out vouchers there as well and make sure it's for their lo local supermarkets and make sure they're allowed to get healthier meals and whatnot so I think it's not that complicated it's kind of just taking what we know works here and also adapting it to other countries that need it all all around the world not just UK and America Absolutely. I think you're spot on. You make some really, really important points there. I'll just chuck one more question your way and then we'll wrap up. The UN are meeting in New York this week. Every world leader is, is sitting in one place. If you were given the opportunity to go on stage and speak to them all at once, what what's the one thing you would say to them to improve the food situation for children over the world? I'd say that... I've got a lot of things I'd say. <laughs> But um, I would say that it's the food system is failing. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's failing. And we as young people are telling you we are hungry. And there's no... It's hard because there's no excuse anymore. There's no ignorance. We are hungry. How are you going to support us? And how are you going to use your power to change things? That's what I would say in the nicest way possible i would say well we kind of have a slogan that every child has a right to food so how are you going to be ignorant enough to ignore the fact that we have children in the world who don't have that right and if you have the power and you have the ability to inflict change and put something in motion help us do that well unfortunately that is all we have time for but thank you so much to our brilliant guests for your time this morning and we'll be back very soon but if you are struggling to get your foodie fix don't worry we do publish our 60 second roundup of news every friday so keep an eye out for that but until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me.